Hey everyone and welcome to the podcast. We're about an hour out from the start of Rough Trade. Um, and uh, this is our this is our 10 year anniversary. So it's kind of cool. And it's also my birthday, which is also kind of cool. I'm another year older. I got a big giant jug of water. And we have no topic. <laughs> Thoughts? Well, it's... Our topic is it's rough trade kickoff. If anybody has questions, feel free yeah. to just jump right over to the ask a question for the podcast channel and free to leave that question. But in the interim, we will just yap. <clears throat> One of the things <coughs> people always ask me about rough trade is why? Where did it come from? Um, and I, the first year we did it, it was called Naked Nano. Um, and I had this idea about writing, um, not, you know, not, about, about, about National Novel Writing Month and how to incorporate it into fandom for myself um, and what to do with it. Speaking of which, if you belong to the Nano site and you've not set up your project, you should go do it because I've not done it. I've not set up my project for this year. Um, so I need to do that. I've been doing Nano for many years, many years. And so when I was in fandom, um, more or less as a writer than I am any other way. I I wanted to incorporate Nano into my fandom experience. And I wanted to do it in an interesting way and present a writing challenge that I didn't think anybody else was doing. And one of the things that my me and my writer friends would do in Meet Space is um, during Nano, we would not only write together, but we would exchange writing. Like we would do the writing and then we would pass the writing around to each other so that people so that we could read it. You know, um, so during Nano, before I was in fandom, I would be sitting in a library somewhere or at a cafe somewhere. Um, and me and my friends, we would email each other our chapters after we finished for the day. So I would be reading five or six novels in progress during Nano, plus my own writing. And so that's where, you know, that was like the origin of the process. Because I was reading other people's rough work. And it was a very interesting experience to to be in uh, a writing group, sharing people's rough work, seeing their process in as close as you get to like real, you know, live action, unless you're like literally peeking over their shoulder. And so it was just a lot of fun. And I thought, well, let's try that in fandom and see what happens. And now we're 10 years out. And I had, um, I wrote down some statistics. I don't know what I did with them. I was going to write an article for writing in junk and then I didn't do it. Um, I don't think it's in this notebook because I had to change notebooks because I ran out of space. Maybe, hold on. I think I have it somewhere else. <laughs> <coughs> Congratulations, Sarah. Okay, so the 10-year stats. Um, in the last 10 years, there have been 1,387 individual signups on Rough Trade. With 416 participating authors, 262 different fandoms, and 19 million views. And I did these numbers in July. Which is right at the end of the 10-year mark. So that's a, right. the full 10-year enchilada. So it was a lot. Far more than I ever expected. Um, I don't really know what... I don't even know if I had expectations. I don't know because, you know, I didn't, I, I really had no um, concept of what 
running a writing challenge would look like online. Um, I'd never participated in any big writing challenges in fandom. And so I just wasn't sure where it was going to go or what it was going to do. And I'm really proud of, of what it is um, and what it represents. And even if I had to explain sometimes several times a year that Rough Trade is not a reader site, it's a writer site, um, that's fine. Uh, readers often don't understand what Rough Trade is and they get confused and upset by the transitory nature of the content. Um, I have a lot of people who are on my site who refuse to read on Rough Trade because they don't want to get invested in something that might that will disappear and maybe never reappear. Because there have been stories that were written on Rough Trade, only ever appeared on Rough Trade, and have never been published since. And people find that discomforting. I wouldn't say half, no. No. I would say less than half. Um, and that it, there's there's no need to feel guilty whatsoever about it, um, because it's like I said, Rough Trade has never been a reader site. It is a site for writers, and you can do with your content what you want, and fuck anybody who disagrees, because I think in fandom there is this um, expectation that readers have that they own your work or they own you, and they don't. Thanks, Bunker. We try really hard. Um, I really have learned a lot over the years in Rough Trade. So, um, and, and having uh, that environment where you can explore concepts. Um, it's also, you know, I, I don't like to post works in progress outside of Rough Trade. Uh, I find it very uncomfortable. I don't do it anymore. I did it when I first interviewed because I thought I was supposed to. Um, I was on fanfiction.net. I just seemed to be what everybody was doing. Um, but then I got too dirty for fanfiction.net, which was going to happen. I really never should have been there to begin with. Um, but I do understand how having feedback and knowing that something is resonating with your reader as you're writing, it can be very, you know, um, comforting. Uh, but it can also be very stressful and hurtful because um, there, y'all, I don't know if y'all noticed, but there are some assholes in fandom. One or two. You know, I've had people, I've talked about the, the vast, I feel like I've been lucky, the vast majority of the people who come to my site, the vast majority of the people who interact with me um, have been very supportive. Um, and when I've gotten my knickers in a knot about the way someone's interacted with me, um, there's inevitably somebody who will bring up, um, you know, we're all going to get punished because of what's one other per because of what one or two people did, or um, they they'll ask me why I can't just let it go. What a small minority of people do, um, and appreciate the people who support me, and da 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 da. And I get that there's an element of truth to what they're saying. Um, the element of that most of my readers are are supportive, and that the vast majority of the feedback I get is um, exactly what I've asked people to, to do, which is to not criticize, you know, and, and, and whatnot, even though sometimes people are passive aggressive and they think they may think that I didn't notice, but trust me, I did. Um, but they, I would say to those people that while I can understand what they're saying and part of me even intellectually agrees with it, it is, a lot harder in practice um, to put aside something that's really upset you just because somebody, there's been a lot of nice things said. You know what I mean? 
mm-hmm. if somebody's really abusive to you um, or somebody manages to rattle your self-confidence or um, it's it's not as easy to just put it aside and go, oh, well, that doesn't matter. You know, 20 people have been really nice to me. So it doesn't matter that this one person's a douchebag. That's not, that squeaky that's wheel that thing, right? Yeah. That's not that easy to do. I mean, it, it can be easy to do eventually. You go, oh, that one person, maybe a couple years down the road, it doesn't matter to you anymore when you look back at that comment that tipped you over the edge, you know, five years ago. But in the moment, and sometimes even in weeks afterwards, it can you can be really thrown off your game by somebody being really abusive. And people talk about, we've talked about this before on the podcast, that it's not about thick skin. People always like to say, well, you have to develop a thick skin to be on the internet. Um, Which is like saying... You have to be able to take a punch in the face. Stop being so sensitive. It's just a fist in your face. You'll get over it. I'm like, I don't have to do anything. I can do what I want. And some people know themselves well enough to know that they are not well suited to um, the kind of crap that comes with fandom. They know they aren't. And that's a good thing to know about yourself. So either they post in a comment curated environment like Wild Hair or they get their own WordPress and shut the commenting feature and all the contact features off so that the first people, and there are people, I know that it seems like such a foreign idea to some people, but there are people who have done that, who have put up a WordPress site so they could share the one story or two stories or how many stories they want to share. They put their content out and then they never give anybody a way to interact with them because it's not what they want. Because they understand themselves well enough to know that that's not the kind of interaction that they desire. And it's really important to understand yourself that well. And if I didn't have a relatively thick skin about the crap that people say to me, I would never have survived in fandom for... Uh, I took my toys and gone home after that whole Sentinel thing. Well, I would have gotten. I definitely never revisited this after the stalking and the doxing and all of the other crap. Um, so that, God, it's been 20, I can't math. I can't math. It's been a long, it's been a long time. I know there's been a lot of people who have been around fandom a lot longer than I have. And then there's people who've been, who can't even conceive of hanging around and doing this for, um, over two decades, but wherever you fall in that spectrum, um, if I will say that you can't last in fandom for any amount of time if you haven't developed the ability to roll with these problems. So when someone acts like the problem is my inability to, I don't know, take the joke, fuck them. Well, there's a difference between handling behavior and failing to acknowledge behavior. And some people think that if you're acknowledging their bad behavior, then you're not handling it. You're the problem. You're thin-skinned. You're being too sensitive. They believe that. They should be able to say whatever the hell they want. And if you're thick-skinned, and if you're an adult, you just won't acknowledge them. And there is something to be said about not feeding somebody with a negative social potency. Um, But there is absolutely no reason whatsoever you should tolerate their behavior. So, delete their comments. Don't approve their comments. Moderate all your work. You don't have to have them. You don't have to tolerate somebody in your space at all for any single fucking reason. I deleted a comment off um, Requiem 
the first book and requiem turning tables last week and I, I immediately got an email i mean i didn't delete it i never approved it i just trashed it and so it was never public to begin with um but the person who's per the, the person emailed me and wanted to know why her comment hadn't been approved and i told her that i didn't appreciate her feedback um so I wasn't including it in my comment section. And she wrote back and told me I didn't have any single right to censor her. Uh, I think you need to look up the definition of censorship pumpkin. C censorship pumpkin. Oh, I did that. I sent her a link. But then I also said, and for the record, that's my shit. And I own it. And I can censor the fuck out of anybody. And you can't do a goddamn thing about it. And if people didn't have the quote unquote right to censor, um, I mean, does she think that a if if you were on AO3, AO3 gives authors the ability to censor their comment section? Yeah. So, does she think that everybody on AO3 doesn't have the right to? Oh, she also told me I should be on AO3. That I was doing the fandom a disservice by not, because that was part of her comment on my site that she wished I'd put my work on AO3 so it would be easier for the fandom to to um. For, for people to read and to find because I was um, not providing a positive fandom experience. Well, this is one of those, I mean, I'm familiar with the, the tone of this kind of feedback. This is one of those 911 people who have no, I, I honestly believe have no fandom experience outside of 911. They have nothing. They just think that they come into fandom, they have this limited experience on Tumblr and um, AO3, and they think that everybody should do it exactly that way, and if you don't, they're going to gatekeep the fuck out of you. And I'm like, bitch, uh, what? I didn't. I don't belong to any 911 servers. I don't advertise my work on, on those servers. If, if, if you ever see a link on one of those servers for 911, I don't belong to any fandom servers except for one Harmony server. Um, it's a Harry Potter server, because they invited me to do an author thing, and I'm still on it. Um... So I think I have two. I have a Harry Potter and a Harmony one. <coughs> and both of them I was explicitly invited onto. I only have a Tumblr for The Sims. Strictly. For The Sims. Uh, but it's not my job to enrich anybody's fandom experience. Yeah, live journals like the Wild Wild West, right? <laughs> Compared to AO3 or Tumblr. Live journal is like straight up war zone escape from new york shit <laughs> they don't know the shit we've seen <laughs> but I, you know it's just not my job to enrich anybody's fandom experience and it's not my job to be convenient or to make myself available on ao3 which i'm never going to do um because like i said before and i'll say it again the day i post on ao3 is an indication to you that i'm retiring from fandom end of that that's that that's the day you see me personally posting now there is some stuff on ao3 has my name on it it's mostly tra it's it's translations of my work that other people have done and one of my rules about posting translations is they have to include me as an author on ao3 um it's just the rule because it is my shit and i want i want i want my name on it but i don't actually want to host that um those uh translations because it's pain in the ass yeah, I'm still relatively young. You might want to get somebody to call my house, make sure I haven't suffered a severe head injury. If you see me posting contact, on AO3. Contact her, either her account or that or her account's been hacked. Um, right. <laughs> contact Lady Holder right away. Have her get in touch with Kira. Um, 
She's posting shit on AO3. Is she okay? <clears throat> something has gone awry. Um, but people have these weird perceptions about, you know, it, it's often people who are new to fandom or who have only been in one fandom. Um, you know, they may be, I'm not new. I've been here for four years. It's like, but have you ever been in a different f- fandom other than this? Oh, okay. You're, you're new. Um, that try to gatekeep everybody else's experience, try to tell us how we're, how to live. I mean, and just nobody needs that kind of crap. I'm too old for that shit. And the thing is, I know sometimes, um, sometimes things go in a way, like somebody says something and I, I respond in a way that they really don't expect. Like, the person who um, was sort of the impetus for me leaving um, AO3, they weren't they weren't the whole reason I left AO3 because I'd been pondering leaving AO3 for quite a while. I mean, I already had my I had my own website the whole time, so I was double posting the whole time. And that sounds I'm, horrible. Oh, was kind of miserable. And I know people who triple post like they post to they have to they post thick announcements in four or five locations, and they post. Um, they post to, you know, three different sites and you know, I'm like, huh, no. Um, but, you know, I, I'd had reservations about some aspects of AO3 all along. I didn't like the reader-centric culture of it. AO3 talks a good game of being um, writers, author-centric. And in some ways, they are much more author-centric than they start. I think, I think they certainly started as something that was author-centric. But... Um, the fact that they kept implementing reader feature after reader feature after reader feature and ignoring what their authors were asking for was really annoying me. And I thought they just put up a good, a good, you know, they put a lot of good talk about being an author centric archive when they really weren't. Um, but then they kind of like, because I mean, like the ability to delete comments and moderate comments that those features were really late in coming. Um, but anyway, so it was after I had, published de novo was the sort of my my breaking point and i've talked about this on prior podcasts so many of you know this story and the person who kind of was the straw um was you wrote me and apologized kind of profusely because they hadn't meant you know to kind of piss me off to the point that i left AO3 but it wasn't it wasn't explicitly them they just were this moment of like clarity um and it was because i got up to a comment about what they didn't like in Denova. And then it, it ended their comment with, I know you can do And when my eye stopped twitching, I deleted all my my works off of AO3. Um, it was so patronizing. And they, they meant it supportively. In the email that they sent me, they meant it supportively that they'd been a big fan of my writing and they felt like that my craft was just really poor in that story and that I'd really... You know, oh, but they're still down. trying to make mean something. They're just doubling down. Right. So it was, but it was just that whole, I know you can do better. And I was just, it was just such a. Was this a Gibbs? This is, this is probably a Tony Gibbs fan. No, I don't think so. Because um, they'd read other works of mine that weren't Gibbs. Um, but I think it was just that, I mean, they explained what their issue was. Um, and the thing I is. I love it when they explain something that I don't like. And it's the one thing I did, I 100% did deliberately. Yeah, it was something I'd done deliberately. And the thing that they had a big issue with was um, the abruptness of Tony's relationship with that. They felt like it was it was it was sort of wedged in that it didn't belong there. That you know it it was sort of a, it was too abrupt. It didn't flow with the story. Da, da, da. Um, I saw it as his beginning, his new beginning at the end. 
he's 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 moved into this place and he's settling emotionally and mentally and he's like yeah i'm gonna have this too yeah well but the timing of it was um where it occurred in the story where he met and met ian it was it was inconvenient um it was <laughs> I, expect, I don't know what I love more the Sparta moment or this or the circle jerk that's great because there's a lot of uh mood boards that on that on that that had a that was great but anyway it was I wanted it to be the romance coming at a time that it was inconvenient where he's like, I'm just getting my life together. This is not a great time. And he even said, this is not a good time. <laughs> it's like, he's got this big case to deal with his, his, he's got like, everything is kind of combusting. And here comes the one that got away. His walk has just strolled back into his life. And um, because sometimes life is, and I did it, I did do it deliberately that life is sometimes messy and inconvenient. And sometimes you have to make a choice, right? Am I going to go with this thing? Or am I going to walk away from it because it's not a good time? And so I did that deliberately. It wasn't like it was, um, it wasn't like I just wedged in a romance where it didn't belong, which is what I was told was happening in that story. Um, I just, sometimes life is messy and I've made Tony's life as messy as it could possibly be in that story because I need, I wanted to show him coming out the other side of this better. And choosing to go forward, like you said, with this new beginning. Um, every every step he took was a step forward into something new rather than holding on to the past. And um, I was so just like flummoxed by, and it wasn't that they disagreed with, they didn't see that in my story. I don't expect every reader to get everything out of a story that I put into it. Um, that's not even the issue. It's that... I don't, I don't, it's, it's the idea that of, if a thousand people read my work, there's a thousand people expect me to, can you imagine if a thousand different people expect you to fulfill their, their vision for a story, what that's like, what that would be like, it's impossible. Because I imagine that on, in, in any given story, some percentage of readers are reading the story and wishing I had done some element differently. They're wishing I had put a romance in where there was none or where there hadn't been a romance where there was one or that I had had the romance with a different character or, you know, whatever. They're wishing that some element that is not to their taste was done differently. Can you imagine, let's say it's just 20% of the people who read a story and if a thousand people read it, that's 200 dissatisfied people. On AO3 telling you how disappointing you are as a person and a human being and as a writer. Can you imagine what that's what that what that would be like? If and that is what and the idea that to express that and that I have to listen to that is and it's the idea, the the culture is that I have to listen to it. Because I don't think there was I think you could I think the only thing you could do at that time was um block people you had to i think you could turn off anonymous commenting i think you could do that but i don't think you could do much else at that point in time um i didn't want to i didn't want to put myself through that anymore and i felt like my perception was is that i got more of that crap on ao3 than i got on my own site now granted my comment counts were way higher on ao3 than they were on my site but i couldn't tell how much of that was dilution like people were preferring to read on ao3 and how much of that was just people were more likely to be an asshole on ao3 than they 
and people don't hesitate to be an asshole on my site. Um, but my reasons for not posting on AO3 are entirely about the pedophilia and really nothing to do with the reader culture there. Because if I posted on AO3, I probably would just moderate all comments and never and never approve them. It which wasn't an option when back then. I, yeah, yeah. Which wasn't an option when the decision was being made. So, um, if it had been an option, would that make it? Would you have made a different choice? I don't know what the me, the me then would have done. Um, now, I don't think it would have made a difference. I would do it different. Because what I do know is that people are better behaved on my site than they ever were on AO3. I do have the data at this point. Um, and I also don't... I am also more comfortable not being on a site where potentially my story is in a search result right next to something with pedophilia, you know? Right. So, um, AO3 says that that is an author-centric feature that to allow that kind of stuff and that the fact that there's no way to really hide it is an author feature, that they're remaining author-centric. And I've read the logic behind that. I'm still not sure Bullshit. I understand. Because to me, it seems criminal, but that's... I mean, they've done a good job of protecting themselves legally from blowback. But anyway, um, but the me of then um, might have made a different choice because it wasn't just about moderation. I, I think that the feature that would have, setting aside the, the pedophilia stuff, the feature that makes the difference is the ability to block problematic users and keep them from commenting at all. Um, but even when you do that, they just make sock puppet accounts and you know, and AO3 still hasn't implemented that. AO3 acted like for a while there that it was a financial thing. And I get that it's probably logistically difficult, the whole blocking and muting feature, like the ability to just like not allow a user to interact with you. But um, I know that this feature was so wanted by both readers and writers, the ability to not have certain people appearing in your world at all, that if they had said we need, we're doing a fundraising drive just to fund this particular feature, that they would have gotten the money for it. So yeah. it was never about the finances of it, and they usually hit their fundraising drives within 24 hours. So I do feel like there's an element of AO3. There's an element in AO3 where previous fandom experiences with censorship um, really drives them in a way that is pathologically uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why they won't block pedo. Is because they got burned really bad about archives and or or lists or whatever saying we're going to allow everything but this or okay, we're going to allow everything we we told you we were going to allow you but now that you're writing this trope we don't like, we're not going to allow you. And I get how difficult it was with you know, and then the AO3 purges and the L L Live Journal purge, it's like people just kept losing content. And there's so much fan fiction that is just gone forever. Um, and I get why they said, we're going to do a site where you post what you want to post. It's going to be author-centric. It's, this is about you, the author. We're not, we're not going to tell you no. But it, saying no to something that is illegal, fundamentally, is not a slippery slope. This is not like, this is that whole, to me, this is that whole, you know, fallacy about the whole, if you allow gay marriage, you're going to suddenly be having sex with ducks. It's like, what? How do those things equate? And it sounds absurd now, but that was the argument. So to those of you who are like fetuses in the room, um, that was the argument before gay marriage became legal was that, oh, well, if you, if you start allowing, you know, gays to marry, people are going to 
um, start wanting to marry their ducks and marry they're dogs. They're going to start and... wanting to marry their animals. It's like, how do you get from there to there? There's like, this is such a false equivalence that I don't even know what to do with myself. But they're kind of doing the same thing with this. If we start saying no to one thing, we're it's a slippery slope to censorship. And it's like, it really isn't. But, you know. If that slippery slope leads to, okay, we're not going to allow you to post anything illegal on the site, that could be pro- that could be problematic. Because in some countries, you know, being gay is illegal. Um, but that isn't the line we're looking for. We're just looking for the line where you say, okay, it's not okay. It's, it's inappropriate for you to post fic on our site of adults raping children. We're not asking for a lot. I don't want my work side by side with that shit. I also honestly wouldn't want my work side by side with a fic fetishizing rape of anybody. But speaking of which, you know that it's still, you can still be executed for witchcraft in some countries. Well, that's bleak. I'm not right. surprised, but that was bleak. Um, I'm just saying things that are illegal that, you know, but there's a there's a difference, okay? There's a difference. There's a fundamental difference between what is illegal, like witchcraft or just being gay, um, and pedophilia. Yeah, dark. there is. I mean, yeah. to me, it's pretty, it's pretty, pretty easy to see where the line is. Um, and the thing is, I don't think it's going to be forever because the legal precedent is murky because there have been basically the idea is if something is fantasy, it's not criminal, right? Which usually works the fiction are under that protection. But there have been courts who have ruled works of fantasy in the United States works of fantasy as child pornography. Now they've not held up on appeal because the statute doesn't actually allow for it, but the bottom line is is that initially when it's getting to the, into the hands of the court in the hands of jurors, they're going, Well, this is wrong. <laughs> because that's So eventually those reaction. statutes are going to change. They're eventually going to change. And that's my read on it, is that eventually there's gonna this is gonna keep coming up, it's gonna keep coming up, it's gonna keep coming up, and it's gonna keep getting overturned on appeal until eventually it doesn't get overturned on appeal and there's a new precedent, and then all of a sudden it's gonna be illegal. So it gets put in front of a very conservative judge and the judge is going to be like, you know what? Yeah, you're going to jail for this. You keep your fantasies in your head and quit publishing them on the internet. Um, but anyway, that's a, but that's the whole, the argument in favor of it for people is that it's not illegal technically. Okay. But anyway. We got a question pop up. Before we get to that question, I just wanted to finish that. My decision to leave was very complex it wasn't about anything one person said but there is there is a toxic comment culture still it is way better on AO3 I will say it is light years better on AO3 as on fanfiction.net oh god what it's better than it was on um, LiveJournal now LiveJournal tried to protect itself from toxic comment culture some communities would have everything moderated like all comments had to be approved and they tried some communities tried to deal with the toxic comment culture but Fanfiction.net is still epically toxic. I would not post there on a bet, because, because not because of the content of Fanfiction.net, but because of the comic culture. Um, I would not post there on a bet, but I would post there out of spite. Like, you know, like meta. Well, <laughs> also, like, I would, I'm sometimes very tempted to write an entire fuck in my essay. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
on AO3 telling all these people how I feel about what they say and do and how their investment in a fictional character is leading them to verbally and emotionally abuse real people and I'm not here for it but I haven't I'm just saying I might that isn't that that's different that's 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 just pure assholery and I'm willing to own it well, I don't know that it's assholery. I mean, sometimes it's just the response to assholery. I, mean, I wouldn't post my fiction on AO3, but I would go over there and post an essay calling out an entire fandom on AO3. That's the part I mean that's assholery. <laughs> Fair. Um, but anyway, I, I, AO3's comment culture is way less. It's, it's not completely toxic, but there is certainly more, re more entitlement that I just didn't want to deal with anymore. And I hit my tipping point over one particular comment, but it wasn't that com. It wasn't like it was the comment itself wasn't even that abusive. And I've certainly gotten way worse from people. Um, I've gotten actually abusive comments. That was just sort of patronizing, condescending, which I really don't like. I actually react very negatively. I actually must rather somebody be abusive to me than be patronizing. Right. Um, but it was just, it was a moment that I just kind of was like, nope, nope, I'm done. I'm a hundred percent done. I get it. And then she's got to go. And so I've been happier in my own space. Um, I do think people talk about, you know, you'd have more readers if you would be on AO3. When I move into a new fandom, I think that's absolutely true. I would. Um, if I cared about that, I'd be out there pushing my works left, right, and center on every fandom space. No, for stars, I'd be on AO3. But, you know, there are ways to build a readership in a fandom when you're not on a big archive and that's just it's not a priority for me so i mean i don't i have a fairly curated audience to be honest um because i have a very polarizing um personality people either like me or, or you know love me or they hate me and when they hate me they hate me like whoa you know and i don't care um and yes, my Stargate fic gets more attention on my site than any other. I mean, you can look at the comments on Vanguard, um, which are already double what I got for the first part of Requiem. Um, and my first two parts of Vanguard still has a smaller word count than my very first novella in Requiem. Yeah. I mean, definitely my least popular works on my site are... Well, it's my Hobbit story, but setting aside that one aberration, um, that uh, my definitely my if my nine one one works for my least popular, um, my most popular. Do you care to guess which fan? Oh, NCIS. Actually, no. It's my MCU's. Really? Yeah. I would say my most popular is aren't. It was definitely Stargate, um, and then Harry Potter is a close second. <coughs> Unfortunately, too close a second. I think there's a weird convergence with my audience about what the various fandoms I write in that it seems like they converge in MCU. So people who don't read me in this fandom but do read me in that, it seems like there's a bunch of them all read MCU. So, um, but nine one one is not very. I mean, I have more readers in my of my nine one one stuff than I ever expected to have because I had no idea there was anybody that already read me who was even reading nine one one when I started posting it because it was not really discussed on the server. And um, I hadn't discussed it with anybody. So to find out the people who were actively watching the show and who were reading in the fandom, and I didn't even know how much of a fandom there was at the time because I hadn't been reading in it. Um, thank you, Natalie. Um, so 
I do have readers that read everything I post. I wasn't particularly worried about not having readers. (laughs) Is that arrogant? That probably is. That's okay, though. Well, but you've had people tell you they'll read everything. But I I think I'm more... uh, I guess I hear a lot from people. I'm not going to read this. So I... And I have had stories like when I, I think that I'm, I don't think I had like a lot of people didn't the um, I did a sh- I did a story for a challenge that had in the top it's, it's in the NCIS universe, but it's it was the Thomas Magnum centric story. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a lot of people are up to me. Oh, this is really my fandom. I'm like, you don't have to read it. You know, it's honestly more disheartening to hear from people that they're not going to read it than just to know that they're not reading it. I get it. Um, but yes, I do have some people um, that I know are kind of write or die that will read it anything i post but i think that number is probably fairly small and that's that's fine i don't i don't it's not something i i i've never felt like i needed to cultivate blind loyalty um i want people to read things they're interested in so uh, but if they're willing to take a chance on a new fandom because i they have faith in my writing ability well i think that's really sweet it is it's very sweet um but you know at first when i first uh, started writing in 911. I was on some 911 servers. Well, actually, initially only one 911 server because I was hoping to get some help with canon stuff because I had watched a show, but I didn't like remember things very well, and um, I didn't know that I had probably better sources for canon on our server. I just never bothered to ask anybody. If we have some people on our server who know the canon very well, um, and so at first I would you know post a link when I put up a new story, but I've stopped really doing that because I was getting some grief for not posting on AO3, and I'm just not down for getting See, hassled. Here's the thing about where you post and why it's important that you be comfortable, because these are your words; they're not anybody else's. And I invest a lot of um, emotional and physical energy into my work, and so I get to decide how it's presented. I get to decide where it's presented and I don't want to hear any opinions about it. Oh, thanks Mariah. I hope you liked it. Happy birthday to me. Here's a present for you. (laughs) I've done it a couple of times where I posted something new on my birthday. So it's just like, kind of feels like almost like a tradition that I should keep up. I think it's a great tradition. We all appreciate it. I always try reading Teen Wolf because of Jilly. I still haven't watched a single damn episode. Well, I watched like watch 10 movie. minutes of the first episode. And then I was like, I hate Scott. Why, why, I mean, why didn't he die? Unlike many shows, Teen Wolf is one of the ones where I'm delighted to say you really don't need the canon at all. I mean, I've watched <laughs> I've watched more episodes than I ever expected to just because I was writing something that was canon divergent. And I needed to really get into the episodes I was diverging from. But other than that, um, no. Yeah, I would have thought the same story, Lady Holder. I would have, I would have, if you had a blind pick, I would have thought Lion Rampart too. Yeah, because if someone asked me what your most popular story on your site would have been, I would have picked Lion Rampart. And then probably after that, um, the slow side of indifference, which is your big, oh, you know what it is, but it's her big Stargate work. So, so I guess Agent Very Far Afloat kind of snuck up on us, Jilly, because <laughs> we did pick out two and three. <coughs> well, there you go. See, I would have thought Young Sentinels and Guides, not a, uh, not the slow side of indifference, but I don't know why I would have picked that one. Just just because, just for scuzz. Um, it could be like we're picking out our own favorites. It could be. <laughs> it's like, well, that's my favorite. Why isn't it everybody else's? <laughs> Look at me being a bad influence on people. Um, I 
didn't want a new fandom when I read when I started reading Night Julie's Nine One One. I was like, I don't have time for a new fandom. What's she doing to me? And then and and then I binge watched three seasons in a like a like four or five days and cried for four or five days straight. My eyeballs yeah. have, never, have never been so lubricated, but. <laughs> But it was the national treasure that kept you there. You got to admit, right? It was, yeah. You met, you met yeah. Christopher, and you just were like, "Well, I'm, I'm sunk now. I've, I've fallen in love." That's why that when I when I talked to somebody about writing in nine one one finally, and they're like, well, "Who's your unicorn, Eddie or Buck?" And I was just my what? first response was Christopher. <laughs> what? Duh. <laughs> Duh. I would pick Christopher too, but. If you ask me for an adult character, even though I'm very enamored with Buck, I would probably pick Eddie. You think it's Eddie, but your writing says it's Buck. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's also the reason that I tend to... Here's the thing. if Who do you think my unicorn is in Stargate? Well, I, it, I know it's Rodney because you've told us, but you write John's point of view because John loves Rodney and you love Rodney. You can express your, your love of Rodney through John. <laughs> Which is exactly the same situation I am with Eddie. <laughs> it's just, but I do feel the more I, the, the, the more I write Eddie, the more comfortable I am in his POV. Um, which is good. Cause I did struggle with his POV to begin with, which is why I did all those um, shorts. I was trying to figure out my Eddie headspace. Uh, because that's an important kind of stumbling block for me early on in a fandom. Uh, oddly, out of all the characters that I've written and whatever, my biggest disconnect with a character is Jim Ellison. I, yeah, really. When I was writing The Awakening, I really struggled with his POV. You know, I could kind of understand that because to me, Jim is kind of he's almost Thanks. a void. Yeah, um, it's like it, he feels so blank to me. So I can get why he you he you'd really struggle with him. I wrote his POV, um, I think briefly in one story, and I, I just sort of had him focus a lot on cheating with getting burgers that his guide wouldn't know about. I mean, I just like didn't know where to go with him really because I was like just not. I, I'm very comfortable with the direction I took him in in The Awakening. I feel like he is a softer version of Jim Ellison that I saw in fandom. Um, and definitely softer than what I saw in canon of him eventually. Um, but, it makes, but it makes sense. I mean, he um, your Blair is also a little harder than what we see in fandom. Right. Um, Which got me in trouble. Sort of. But not I'm in not trouble, sure. but it got me abused. But I'm so. not sure that either of them are all that far off in terms of softness or hardness of, of canon. Because Blair was not the the fluffy bunny that fandom liked to make him out to be. I mean, doesn't he basically kill somebody with a soda machine in the first episode? Is that the first episode? I don't think so. That's the first episode? Huh. Look at me. Then I he, mean, like, he lies and says he's going to... He like, Something about the helicopter, he's going to shoot somebody. So, not that he does shoot anybody, because he doesn't, but he lied his ass off. I mean, Blair was Blair was fierce. First or second episode, it was it was badly received by a small segment of the Sentinel fandom that I did not write Blair as a damsel in distress. But fuck them. Fuck them in their eyeball. He was um, never a damsel in distress in canon. Even canon. When he was, even when he was, you know, literally in distress, he was figuring out how to get his own ass out of it. So... 
<laughs> One of my favorite Sentinel stories to read is, well, there's two of them. Like one where they think Blair's been kidnapped and they run around trying to figure out who did it and they bust up a whole bunch of crime rings. And it gets to the point where the bad guys in the city are like, okay, who fucking has Blair Sandberg? We need to give him back. <laughs> and But he's actually like a, a fair or a, he's at some kind of amusement park. And then the other one where they actually, where he actually does get kidnapped and they find out he's got that, who they've got. And they're like, oh shit, no, we need to give him back. <laughs> it's just like, we made a mistake. We grabbed the wrong dude. This is, this is pretty bad where we found him. <clears throat> I've not read either of these. If anybody knows where these links are, that would be helpful. Um, but, but I so do like to read like Candy Apple and, uh, is, that, is that her name? Candy Apple? I also really enjoyed the Ritual series by Chrisser, but most of my characterization for Jim and Blair came from fandom, and yet I still did not write them in this way that fan that this group of gatekeepers thought that I should. So, yeah, but she managed to steer them closer to because Jim was never. I think fandom wrote him Jim harder than he was. I mean, Jim really did color code his Tupperware. I mean, which is not the hard ass. He's he he was kind of he was he was an anal retentive, anxious mess in a lot of ways. Um, he could be hard, but he was not the hard ass that I think that fandom liked to make him out to be. And Blair certainly was the damsel in distress. Well, I don't know how he could be the hard ass everybody said he was when he let Blair live in his guest room, right, almost right from the jump. So, um, and then once I think once you then probably saw Cannon, you're probably like bitching about but this is what happens is people get a fanon in their mind and they will forget that you can't actually tell a writer that they can't use canon and they'll try they will try to tell you you can't use canon it's like fuck you the yeah the the ritual series i it's it's a very different um portrayal of blair and jim um jim's very vulnerable in that in that series um but I liked it. It was interesting. It was different. I like to see <coughs> unique things happening in um, a story. And the Profiler series by Chrisser, which is on AO3, Chrisser, K-R-I-S-S-E-R, underscore K-R-I-S. Chris or Chris. It looks like mul it looks like multiple underscores. I can't tell how many. So if you just search by Chris or K R I S S E R, you'll probably find the you'll probably find her. Um, them, but it's 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 an interesting take on their relationship as Sentinel and Guide. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I first read it on Mongoose, I think. Um, but yeah. So little unique stories like not little, but unique story circumstances in fandom like that are really they're little gems that when you find them, you're like oh yeah, hell yeah, what is this? And I kind of want to write that myself. I want to write that oh hell yeah, what is this? Um, and I think I'm actually accomplishing that with Requiem, personally. It's very different, yeah. Um, so I would agree. So we did have. So let's go to our question. Um, so I'll quickly answer the trick or treaters question. Somebody asked me a lot of trick or treaters. I didn't get my area doesn't engender it, which is probably a good thing. Um, I would actually think parents to be a little bit weird if they set trick or treaters loose on in this particular apartment complex. So it's not that it's unsafe; it's just sending kids into a dark three-story 
walk up is odd. Mm. Yeah, my city actually discouraged it. Um, and they set up like areas where you could do trunk trick or treating in parking lots where people could, you know, mm. it's like a like a little mini fair um, because of COVID. Yeah. So, and then our other question was, how many times in Rough Trade have you surprised yourself with the story you created? An idea suddenly exploded on you and took on a path you didn't plan, or it turned out so much better than you thought it would be for the concept. Um, quite frequently, actually. I'm looking through my Rough Trade project list to come up with some, I think, because I pulled up my pro Rough Trade project list. Um, I don't have one of those. I'm thinking, why don't I have one of those? Why don't you have one of those? I mean, I could make one easily enough since I keep the damn database for it, but I don't know why I don't have one. In terms of the story that I think surprised me with how successful it was, because I was uncertain of the concept when I began, I would say it was If Found was the one that was the most surprising to me. And like I got done with it. I felt like I'd had my pen drop moment. I was like, Okay, I just did something good, um, and I didn't have. And you a did, sense, yeah. I didn't have a sense that it was going to go that way when I started. Um, and sometimes, and sometimes, the wackier my idea is at the start, feels successful at the end. I'm often really surprised at. So another one was all your reasons. Um, so I think that when I um, um, because I think what I had conceived of writing Bruce Banner and Tony Dinozo, I think it struck even me as weird. But I thought the story came out just really, really well. Um, m slightly more recently, in terms of what I posted, Alio Moto was shocking for me. It went really badly on Rough Trade. Um, I was frustrated. I had to replot after I posted the first part. Uh, ultimately, the, the original plot I had for Rough Trade never will see the light of day because it would have been you know, 40 years in the future, which is the part of the story I ultimately decided not to write. So I think that one, um, I got one chapter into it and what I need to replot this, that went like all kinds of wrong. And then when I got done with it, I was like uh, uncertain still by the end of it. Um, but then by the time it was all finished, I felt like I had done something um different even within a space it certainly that's not something like i had ever read um so i it's it's, it's difficult i think some for, for me especially somebody who's not a hardcore harry potter writer but it's difficult to feel like i can step into something like harry potter where i feel like probably everything has practically been done and i feel like i did something that probably hadn't that there's not a lot of if if it, if it exists at all so um what about you kara i i've obviously fell off fell flat on my face a couple of times with Art Rough Trade. Um, the one that's not the most, the most disappointing experience has got to be synthetic. Um, super disappointing. But I violated my, my OTP. <laughs> and I thought I could handle it. I've been wanting to write a threesome for those three forever. And I thought that I could handle I was wrong. I was wrong. Um, I think about my best experience I really enjoyed the world building in synthetic. I would love to go back and do something with it um, outside of fandom because it just, it wasn't a good fit for fandom and I should have realized that and I didn't. So sometimes you, you do something and you think, okay, this is going to work just the way I want it to, but it doesn't. And then you're, you're like, what the hell am I going to do with this? I had that with one. It wasn't that it was a bad fit for fandom. I just wish I hadn't written it for a fan fiction challenge. And I got like quite a bit into it before I just was, I was dragging ass because I 
wished I hadn't been writing fan fiction. Um, and that was um, The Descendants, which was the psychic AU, the medium AU, actually. I feel like that would have been... I enjoyed what you wrote a lot, because I love Tony as a character, and you always, like, you bring it. Um, but I feel like that idea would have been better served with original characters. Yeah, it, it would have been. So, that one was a bust in terms of my own enthusiasm for the idea. Uh, my enthusiasm for the world building was, like like with Kira with the synthetic, it was really high. Um, I said we tell them once they thought those were done for the same challenge, they weren't. Kira's was a whole new world challenge. Synthetic was whole new world, and Descendant was urban fantasy. So, we didn't flop on the same challenge. We're not that joined at the creative brain. <laughs> Because I think some people think we are. I think we are. It's a, I think that's the, that was almost the terminology somebody uses that we're joined at the creative branch. I said, no, we're not. We don't fail. No. As we don't, I feel like we flop at the same challenges. I said, yes, you guys, you did. So that was the discussion. That yes, you guys did. You, you, you both messed up on that challenge where she wrote um, synthetic and you wrote the descendant. And I went, that wasn't the same challenge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it wasn't the same challenge. I think my, my, my most fun experience on rough trade would probably be darkly loyal i just had a really fucking great time killing a whole bunch of people in fiction i'm I'm looking through my list and trying to decide what my most fun was i think probably slytherin black yeah i think so i think that was probably the most on rough trade it was time travel too i think that was my first time was that my first time travel story Mm -hmm. i think so Mm -hmm. yes it was my first deep dive into I, you know, I finished my original story and even published it. Um, I'll never do it again because of reader response. I, my worst, but literally my worst experience on Rough Trade was Revenant. Hands down. And it wasn't the work, it was the people. It wasn't me, y'all, it was you. (laughs) (laughs) That was the episode challenge. Yeah. Um. Because even some of the positive feedback was insulting. If I'm entirely honest about it. Unsung was the um, earthquake one, Kit Kat. Yeah, unsung by Legion. Yeah. I think you're 100% accurate on that. Um, Because Revenant, I really, I was so enamored with the world building. I loved my plot. I loved where I was going with it. I was in my comfort zone. I was in my OTP. I had a fantastic um, plan. I had this amazing idea in this great world building and practically out of the gate everybody's comment was this was great um can i what was the source material can you link the original fandom so i can read it and if it had happened once i could have been like "Mm, okay fine but it didn't just happen once it happened fucking repeatedly and it was like even the people who were be who were super kind and thoughtful were asking for the original material and it was like y'all this is it this is this is the original material for this idea this this is it and it was like people were saying that i wasn't creative enough to have thought of that on my own so they wanted to know where it came from it happened repeatedly and it was just like this is this, this was like one time when i would have really wished that i could have just been a participant on rough trade because i never would have seen those comments no, they wanted to know where the Revenant concept came from. And 99% of them didn't believe, came out of the gate thinking it was something that I'd picked up from another fandom. And they wanted to know what that fandom was. They wanted the original source material. Which, I mean, I how you took it is obviously the most important. But I, for me, because I was reading it, I could understand people a little bit kind of, not 
I mean, you tell the you tell people there's a source who I made this up, but and they they should know that you you talk about you, you've always linked your fandom. So I thought it was a disconnect, but I could kind of get the people don't think and they ask a question. But it was the people who were trying to equate it to um, something that already existed. Like I kept finding the ongoing comparisons to Trill and Gold and all that stuff to be really that really bothered me. I got to the point that I was getting irritated. I mean, I was irritated. Yeah, on would your you behalf. please stop? Like, would you please stop comparing my um, immortal soul fic to parasites? I would really appreciate that. <laughs> just, uh, that was gross to me. Not really offensive, but it was gross. I was looking at these this database of challenges, and I can't for the life of me remember what my first project was on Rough Trade. And all I have for the first year of Rough Trade, 2011 November, is a list of emails. And I have no idea what I wrote that year. None. So you don't remember your first your first naked nano? Is that what you're talking about? Right. Jace, are you fucking serious? <laughs> <coughs> it would have been November 2011. Oh, I see. I see. Um, and I think I might look on nano the, itself and I might have put my project in. Yeah, you might have. <coughs> That would definitely, I, we were really, like, I know that we would have been, oh, just a wrist fracture. Well, that's, oh, that's better than an actual break. Margaret, congratulations. Did you get some something nice to help you sleep? Yeah, I definitely need to set my project up. I haven't done it yet. They did, they didn't fucking change their website again. I wish they would stop. Oh, it's so awful. Oh, okay. Y'all, I should be ashamed of myself. <laughs> For two reasons. One, I didn't make my goal that year. And two, it was emotional clockwork. Emotional clockwork. <laughs> you should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> I did talk how about excited I was about um, my Revenant project and how um, where it came from. But it's good to keep in mind that there are anywhere between 15 and 20,000 people who reading on Rough Trade. And most of them are not on Discord. So they're not live here for podcasts. Um, they may or may not even listen to the podcast. So. Well, Revenant predated I, Discord, right? I don't remember. I to be honest. So. I think so. But even if it didn't, that doesn't, like, even if I talked about it on Blog Talk, it doesn't mean that people actually listen to it, you know? So. Yeah, that was July. It, this is this is July 20, 2017. It didn't feel like it was that long ago. I think we started Discord in 2019. Yeah. That sounds... Did you open up Rough Trade? The... Oh, I didn't. I'll do that in a minute. Um, <sighs> I hate when Excel does something that I don't want it to do. Like, I didn't ask you to do that. Don't format my shit like I asked you to. Motherfucker! Oh, God. I can't stand it. I can't stand you, Excel, right now. Control Z. What's that do? Oh, that isn't going to help me fix this because it keeps doing it. It's a formatting issue. It keeps transfer. It, ke it keeps after format and sell. <laughs> I hate you. I hate it. I hate it. Hated it. Well, you did go through ten years of email, Jace. <laughs> that could be why I hate it. It hate. Um, it's turning my. Uh, I want to put like a month and a year. But it keeps formatting it into a date. So I just need to figure out what, what date I can live with. Yeah, we hate it. What are you trying to do? 
I want to say March 2011, but it keeps abbreviating it for me. So you want the cell to read March 2011. So you have to change the, the date formatting on the cell. Right. Which I'm in there right now doing that. I just, I'm really of the opinion that it shouldn't change my shit unless I ask it to. Yeah, baby, I know. I can, yeah. I had to, but I went ahead and formatted the entire um, column. Unfortunately, I had to work with Excel a lot. I just wish it wouldn't do things unless I told it to. I don't like to be I don't like to be preemptively disobeyed. Well, the problem is that if it didn't do things that you without it telling it to, you would you would suddenly find yourself in a world of hurt because there's a lot of stuff it's doing automatically that if it stopped doing it, you'd be pissed as hell. <laughs> you'd be like, "Why isn't it doing that automatically?" Because it's trying not to disobey you. <laughs> <clears throat> Well, it's, I do custom formatting on most of my cell work anyway, so. It's a terrible catch-22 of Excel. But, you know, I would I would rather have Excel 25 times a day, disobey me, than spend one hour in Access. That's hell to the no. I used to code in Access, but that was a long-ass time ago. Um, Just Right was launched after it was launched before crossroads but crossroads was the server was actually created first it just wasn't announced nobody was on it um but we launched yeah i was in a testing phase yeah we launched crossroads. just right um just before evil author day um i want to say on like the no the day after the sick the day after evil author day i think in 2019 so um something like that yeah so, so I th but I think I think uh, Crossroads was created just a couple weeks before that. But I think it's sometime in sometime in January because someone had mentioned it to me as an option for doing group work. So I st so I went over here and made a Discord, um, and I was just playing around with it, seeing what I could do with it. And then Julie said, "I started a Discord." I said, "Yeah, so did I." <laughs> and I gave her the link. <laughs> so that's how we got to. Which I think it works great because just right being our work group separates that out because it would be a nightmare to have it all in the same place. No, Erte, yeah, I, I remember getting that from you, but I'd already made the Discord when you and I talked about it, I think. Because somebody else wrecked it, wrecked it uh, but I don't want to talk about that asshole. So. But, um, Let's just say you did it because I don't want to talk about that asshole. Thank you, Erte. <laughs> we also we had, we had a few people on the on the writers table Facebook group who had been proponents of Discord for a while, um, and when your chat client um, initially it was because of the your when your chat client imploded, right on your site it was like an alternative to that. But then we were looking at ways to do a write in, and I didn't want to do a write in through Facebook Messenger, and. Um, Dark Jedi Queen mentioned it to me as an alternative, and we did a trial run the day before um, with a few with a small group of people. I think on the fourteenth. I think that sounds about right. I think so. And then too. we had, and then we actually had the write in on the sixth. The first write in was February sixteenth. But I feel like Discord was a great choice. It was because we because we had been trying to make. Um, and somebody asked me why MeWe didn't work as a platform because we had done a big migration. A bunch of us went to MeWe um, because we were all kind of disenchanted with Facebook. I said it wasn't MeWe that was the problem. The problem was that we launched and started using Discord at the exact same time. And Discord was such a good platform for us and for what we needed that why that MeWe just kind of fizzled. It kind of like died on the, you know, died on the, with it on the vine because, um, 
I think if we hadn't launched Discord at the exact same time, it probably could have gotten some momentum and been useful because it had more robust chat f- chat features at the time than Facebook Messenger had. And um, but Discord, I mean, why would we be chatting over there when we have Discord? And a lot of people didn't want to go to Discord. But I, I, I mean, once I got on Discord, I was like, I don't get it. I mean, it's, this is much better. This is much better. And I really, I won't get into the, all the reasons why, but 2019, I was loathing Facebook with the fire of a thousand suns. So. It really, it, it didn't get better because tangerines and stuff. <laughs> it just, it also, even though I am basically in that age group, I will say that the dynamics on Facebook for a certain age group are really stupidly off-putting. And I just don't want to be on old lady social media. I might be 47, but I don't want to act like I'm 100. And more and more, uh, Facebook is like for stodgy Republicans. (laughs) Those are not our people. No. I mean, it's just, it's just, just so much, or, you know, people who are trying to sow political unrest it's in other countries, in other countries. It's a real platform for naughty behavior in other places because they really only, you know, they like to just be all hands off. You know, I have, I, I only, I swear the only reason I keep my Facebook account at this point is because there are, um, games I play that have reference groups that I get information about why I can't seem to do anything in my game from those groups and that's and to back up my games too because like the games back themselves up to Facebook that's it I, I mean I, I will go every time I happen to have to go to Facebook I usually have got like been tagged in all these posts people think I've seen them I'm like I tell you bitches I haven't been I don't go on Facebook why don't you believe me I had to go over there today and and you know Thank everybody for wishing me happy birthday over there because there was a, I got I had a whole bunch of messages and then there was I put the link up for um, unexpected consequences and I got a whole bunch of responses on that too, um, but um, there, there's just a culture on Facebook that I don't want to participate in. No, it's just and it's not just the culture; it's the company. They're just they're just gross. But I won't I won't go there because that's going to delve deeply into politics and um, anyway. Um, I'm going to go back and look at my list of Earth Trade projects to see if anything else is ever shocking to me. <laughs> well, your first Rough Trade project was basically your, you dipping your toes into fandom again after a really bad experience. So how was that? I, I mean, it was a blur because I wrote, I wrote more than 150 K in that first month. <laughs> and then I wrote by the time we closed, but I mean, the thing is I wrote some more in December um, I closed out Rough Trade at over 180k, but I didn't ever write much past December because at that time, Rough Trade posting was open all the way through to the cleanoff, basically, and um, I didn't really pe- post anything uh, at least, or, or not more than one other post or something, past the past December. So I put like 30k up in December, 35k up in December, but I think I closed out Rough Trade like 185k. Um. But that first month was more than 150K. And so I felt like, I mean, it was it was really flowing. I really felt like I had a solid vision on what I wanted to write. But it felt like it was so much that a lot of it was kind of a blur. And I felt like people were responding really positively to it. But it was not, um, 
an environment that I was used to writing in and so, like there'd go whole days where I wouldn't even like look at my comments section because I wasn't um I was feeling overwhelmed if that makes sense um it should because you got a lot of attention that maybe you weren't expecting yeah I would definitely wasn't expecting because I mean I was an unknown I mean I didn't know anybody on rough trade I didn't know you I didn't know lady holder um and I almost did stop stop with the story partway through because I got really confused about I felt like I'd messed up with not not warning for not warning it was really discombobulated because I had to like change my warnings to say that something wasn't happening in the story <laughs> so it was really, because uh, which, I kept which, getting which, emails from people asking if she was doing ABO if there were consent issues well because that came up, I stopped reading because I kept getting these comments. And so I asked Lady Holder if she would, because I, I have a hard time dealing with that because of my own history. Um, yeah. I asked Lady Holder to email her and ask her if there were consent issues that hadn't been addressed. People are worried about ABO. Um, it wasn't meant to be intimidating or, or horrible. Um, but I can see how that might have caught you off guard uh, because of the way we approached it. Um, um, but it was like people kept asking, <laughs> "Is there APO in I, this? Is there APO I mean, in this?" <laughs> I mean, I understood. I understood because I mean, I wasn't familiar with the ABO trope as it pertained. I wasn't familiar with this ABO trope. I was familiar with the terminology of like ranking of alpha, beta, omega, blah, 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 blah. Um, and um, so for me, it was like I was coming out from a different angle, and so I got this email asking me if there was consent issues in the story i was like no of course not i said well you need to put that in your warnings i need to, and i'm like i need to put in my warnings that there are not consent issues and i was so confused and i feel like i, I have screwed up by warning by not warning that there's not rape and if you could have seen the expression on my face i was so befuddled so i changed my warnings to say there's no consent issues in the story and i was like i can't believe i just put that on a warning line <laughs> and it was because of the abo and Looking back on it, I was like, I should, we should have realized that you didn't know what ABO was <laughs> and approached it from that angle. But it just, honestly, here's the thing. Have, when I, I read the first chapter before all these questions started coming in and looking at this and seeing that this is her rough draft, it never crossed my mind that you were new. You're obviously you are you were obviously not a new writer, but you had not been in fandom for a while, a, a long time, and you didn't you you had not encountered the ABO thing yet, I guess, since since your return. Um, but well, I did I, I did yeah, I didn't read any of the fandoms that because I mean the fandoms that I read in and had continued to read in didn't like I mean like after reading in NCIS at the time, I, at least I hadn't encountered ABO in NCIS that I'd. Or if, if they had tagged it for consent issues, I wouldn't have picked it up. So, but it's just, I just, it's just, I was just, I was so befuddled by the whole thing. And then I later on discovered, you know, did some digging into what ABO was contextually. And I was like, oh, okay. And, and then I think I expanded in an author note, maybe at the time, I'm like, this is not that kind of ABO. <laughs> <laughs> because there are other fan and fandoms that use that terminology. Um, and it, it doesn't mean, Certainly, alpha and beta is very common in werewolf stories um, um, as ranking. And omega, omega, I had seen in original work, um, but it hadn't because I don't think the fan and omega thing, the fan and ABO trope, had made its way to original work yet in 2013. 
but maybe it had and I just hadn't encountered it. So I had seen the terminology in use, but I hadn't seen it in that application. But yeah, I was not definitely not wide read enough in fandom. And you know, yeah, I mean, I definitely wasn't a new writer. And the thing is, and I, there were like people would be like, well, where can I find your work? And I'd be like, oh, no, I don't have any other work, which people then misinterpret. So there was this element of stress a little bit at the time if people would be like, well, where can I find your other work? And I said, oh, uh, I, I don't have any other work for you to read. And then they'd be like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is your first story ever. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 that, that's not what I meant. <laughs> I'm like, I, and I'm like backpedaling because I'm like, I'm not trying to mislead people, make them think this is my first story. No, but I didn't want to like connect my past fandom experience with what I was starting off new. <coughs> and um, yeah, but some, some people immediately, there was this like doubtful incredulity. Like, I can't believe this is your first writing. I'm like, no, I did not say that. <laughs> Stop. I've been phone. writing for decades. I don't have anything else online. This is all you're getting. I mean, I wish I could go back and find the very first AO fic. I wish I could find the very first one and read it to find out if it had these consent issues in it. You know, because I really would like to know because is, is this baked into the original story and people just ran with it? Or is this an evolution and the person who created that first story is still like cr cringing over it? I mean, it, it just sometimes I just wonder, you know. It was a kink bingo in Supernatural, right? I'm not sure if it was a kink. It was Supernatural, but I'm not sure if it was a kink bingo or not. But um, or some kind of kink. They wanted somebody wanted Dean to be able to. They wanted somebody somebody come up with a reason way for Dean to be able to be pregnant. Um, I will say I think it took off more in fandoms that had werewolves in it than. Um, but the thing here's the thing about the consent issues in ABO. It doesn't have to be there. There, you don't need inherent I mean, the whole mindless heat thing. That's like it's so easy to take that out. I know I've done it. <laughs> It is not hard because I, I for subversive I wrote more or less not exactly traditional ABO I, I can't call it traditional ABO but I wrote a more more ABO ish model for that um, except that the omegas are a different gender and have a different set of pronoun set and all that because they're actually the children of uh, I believe the goddess Lupa is what I wrote in that story but. Um, I just didn't have the whole heat thing in. It wasn't necessary. It, I mean, it's it's not like it broke anything to take it out. <laughs> right? I mean, it's rare that you can take a problematic trope and remove the problematic element wholesale and have it change nothing. And yet, I that's what I did. I just took the problematic element completely out and went, do, do I have an issue? Oh, no issues. There's no problem at all. There was a whole bonding land thing in the Sentinel sometimes, but I've read the bonding land thing in the Sentinel with and without problematic elements. I've read it where there was consent issues with it, lack of autonomy. I've read it where it was only, um, only could be something that was done consensually. So um, people can make anything ugly is, I guess, the message. <laughs> the big message too. And it's really, it, honestly, sometimes in fandom, it's like they, they look for a way to make it as ugly as possible. Yeah. But you know, my first rough trade, um, being new back in, and I, I think is I would encourage authors, I think, um, to be hooked into a writing community, to have a support system, you know, even if you're not like on crossroads, but to be on just right for sure, because I was really, I was really overwhelmed. I mean, I wasn't hooked into the Facebook group at that point. I don't think I got hooked into the Facebook group until the next mid-April, maybe May of the next year. Um, I didn't know. So I didn't know anybody. Um, and so I was like 
really confused about some of the stuff that was going on. I didn't know how to manage the, and like I said, I hadn't been in and I hadn't done any, what I would call live writing in fandom ever. Um, the last things I had posted, I only posted complete work because I did start off with the whole idea of you should, you know, post as you write. And then I was like, this is stupid. I'm going to write everything and then I'll, I'll go with the idea because the list, the list owner at the time on the group I was on, was like, you should still only post once a week. Or if you really feel like you want to post fast, you can post every day, but don't give them the whole story at once. Um, so I would still write the whole story, but I would post it daily or whatever. Um, Cause it just wasn't, it, I just, just, it didn't work for me to like write post as I go. I, I didn't, but so here I am in this environment now. It's so like, this felt very contrary to the way I've always written. But I liked the idea that it was a rough draft challenge that I'm like not second guessing myself. I'm focusing on getting it written and then I'm not going to, I'm just going to, just going to let my id be, now that my id may be a little too much in the driver's seat, but that's a whole different discussion. We're just going to post um, the hell out of this and see what happens. And, um, and so when rough trade was over um, and then the clean off was coming up and I felt like I had this prior fandom experience, like weighing on me about like, I can't like just take this, let this be taken down. That seems wrong. It was how it was like translating in my head, right? Like readers are going to be disappointed. And I had this whole dialogue in my head about it. And like um, Kira offered to give me a um, WordPress file extracting all my posts. And so I put all of my posts, just, I didn't have to do the reposting and they all just, I just, moved them over to a WordPress and I put them up on a free WordPress so that they would still exist because I didn't want people to be sad. That was in my head. I want people to be sad that it was being taken down. Um, and I just, and, and it just, I felt like the pressure was immense. It was immense. Um, I thought, I thought, the, I thought the writing went really well, better than I could have expected, but I was really, really unprepared. I was really unprepared emotionally. I didn't know I didn't know how to check my own fandom experience. Um, I didn't know how to reset things because I hadn't posted in fandom in a long time. And things had changed. Like, archive of our own didn't exist when I bowed out of fandom. Um, AO3 did exist. I mean, not AO3, but I mean, um, fanfiction.net did exist, but nobody I knew posted on it. Um, people I knew didn't even post on LiveJournal. Everything was done in Yahoo groups or on private archives, you know, Angel Fire. She's like dating the hell out of herself at this point. <laughs> GeoCities. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking web rings, you know. Um, I mean, I still have work up. I'm not surprised at how some of those private archives are still exist, right? And I have work up on them. It's like, oh, good God. Um, no, don't ask her for a link or a name. No, that's stuff. That's if I could if I could take it all down, I would. Um, I know Spander Files does still live. I, it's shocking to me that that website still lives. It's got to be living on a. Um, somebody's got to be paying the like. It's got to live on a on a host of somebody who hosts a whole bunch of legacy fandom stuff because I can't imagine that anybody's actually still. But anyway, so so that was my that's that's when I bowed out of fandom was when all that 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 was the the environment and the culture and I come into this whole new environment and I didn't know how to manage my fandom experience at that point. I think that was the harder part, you know, the writing I thought went well, but then I fizzled for a long time under the weight of my own expectations or my, my expectation of meeting others. Expect 
because there wasn't much left to write after Rough Trade ended, but I just felt like I was buckling under the constant barrage of when are you going to finish? I think that's why some people don't post outside of Rough Trade. They don't have a website. They don't have an AO3. Um, they don't have an email out there. So readers have no way of, of poking them. And honestly, sometimes the last thing you want is to be posted, poked about a work that you did on Rough Trade. Either it didn't go the way you wanted it to, or, you know, it just, there were things that were, you know, like, I still get every once in a while, I'll get an email about Synthetic. People wanting either me to post the world building I did so they could use it, or whatever. And I'm like, no, dog. No. Nah, dog. No. Nah. Nah. You can miss me with that shit. Um, yeah, people have, um, I wish, I wish that more people would take advantage of, or more archives. I think what happens is the mods, the people who actually own the archives, um, they just vanish, you know, they stop checking their fandom email. It, it's sad, but probably in some cases they die and nobody knows it. Um, yeah. That has happened. But like, you know, I think the whole thing with Wraithbait, you know, basically blowing up was that whoever was needed to renew the um the domain name couldn't be reached or was that a different archive i don't i do think that the the the, the domain went down first it just they couldn't they briefly was ao3 able to to actually save wraithbait or no i don't know there was a mirror site briefly and some of the mods were saying they were committed to getting it back up and I, I wish when they put that mirror site up that I'd like run a site sucker on it and just grab the whole thing. But hindsight's twenty twenty. But, you know, I, mean, I do like that Archive of Our Own is. That's one of the things I do like about Archive of Our Own. And it's one of the reasons why I will give them money, even though I do read on there, even though I won't put my work there, is because they are committed to saving these old archives, saving the content of these old archives before they go down. Um, yeah, I, I really appreciate their their dedication to preserving fandom history when it comes to that kind of thing. Like, um, just honestly, just they save the meat, the actual meat of the Sentinel fandom when they when they snag Prospect Place. We would have mm -hmm. lost basically all of it. Yeah, that was ninety. I thought it, that was ninety percent of it. Ninety of the fandom. Yeah, I would I would agree because we have lost big archives like that in the past and they're just gone and, and there's no retrieving them and the, the you know people who either moved out of fandom or they've died and there's no getting that content back there was an archive i was on a bunch of my works and actually the funny thing is there were some works i had done for a something i deeply regret doing it's one of those things i did way back in the day that i had done some fix for charity like a charity donation drive and i did some you know people would bid and yeah, I deeply regret. There's all kinds of reasons not to do that. But anyway, the other the other aspect of this is it's really disquieting for as an author to, um, aside from the fact that nobody should be profiting on fan works, not even charities, in my opinion. And at the time, I didn't really have that view on it. I thought, oh, it's going to charity. It's not the same thing, but it pretty much is the same thing. Um, when somebody is, unless you can give very specific which you couldn't you were giving word count right like you know people were bidding on a word count um i felt like i was stuck with the prompt they gave me and sometimes i got stuck writing stuff that i felt really disquieted about um and um so there was some stuff that i 
gave to people or sent to people or posted on Yahoo groups or whatever because of this charity thing that wound up on this one archive. And it was supposed to be a multi-fandom archive. Um, but when I found out that those works had somehow wound up on that archive, and I don't know how because I didn't put them there. Now, I did have an account on this archive, and I had put some of my works on this archive. But, and they were under my name, which tells me that somebody had, like, submitted them to the mod, and the mod had put them up, or it was just weird. Like, I don't know how they got there, because I would never have posted those in a public fashion for anybody to read on a, anyway. Um, so I thought, oh, I'm going to just go log in, and, you know, now that I remember this archive even exists, I'm going to go take all my works down off that, because I had still had my login information, even though, to me, that pen name was dead. Um, I couldn't, because my, um, password wasn't working and I think they had just reset the passwords at some point but the thing is in order to submit in order to do anything it, to submit to send an email to the archivist to ask for help in order to um, reset your password everything you could do on the site that required any administrative functions you had to submit a recaptcha except the recaptcha was broken mm. and this problem persisted for like th three or four years, years, this problem persisted before um, all of a sudden I got an, an there's an email in, my, in an old email account from the archivist saying um, that they had logged into the site and noticed that the recaptcha was broken. They had no idea how long that had happened because nobody can contact the archivist without the using the recaptcha. Well, uh, duh. <laughs> like the only, the only method of reaching out for help required using a functionality that was broken. And like the archivist is just, I wonder why the, I wondered why the site was so quiet for the last few years. Really? <laughs> wow. Years, really your site, your archive, your archive that people have been posting to regularly goes quiet for years and it doesn't occur to you, but whatever. But anyway, me for, I, I just actually assumed the archivist was dead. <laughs> I mean, that was my assumption when years passed, right? Yeah. Anyway, the minute that the uh, recapture got fixed, I went logged in and deleted all my works, but every single one that I could find. But it doesn't but the thing is because those works appeared there without my permission, I think it's entirely possible those works would wind up right back there because I didn't put them there to begin with. I have created my project on Nano's website. I am now ready to commence with National Novel Writing Month. <laughs> did you open up posting on my I did, yes. So if you need to update your project file, you may do so now. Anyway, the, there's a lot, that's a really long way of saying that I have learned a lot about in since 2013. Um, so this will be my ninth um, rough trade. But I've learned a lot since 2013 about how to how to control my experience in fandom, how to control my experience as a writer, um, and how not to let expectations of other people affect what I'm going to do. And sometimes it still gets to me. But when I think back about how that people, how it really got to me and how I felt like I was buckling under the pressure from that first, the six months or so after that first nano, it's light years different now. Because I was hesitant to sign up again because I was like, I, if I don't finish my story this time, I'm going to just get harassed endlessly. <laughs> and I didn't know what to do about that at the time, which was where... I wanted to just double bird everybody, but I felt like that was rude. <laughs> <laughs> Oddly. <laughs> and that's where it helped to join the Facebook group. Um, and the Facebook group I'm talking about was, uh, it wasn't called the Writer's Table at the time. What was it called? It was the Rough Trade Group. I didn't join the other Facebook group, the social group, for a long time because 
I didn't get it. Um, <laughs> Inside jokes can sometimes work against yeah. you. Well, people kept telling me, well, it was called Minion Headquarters, which I didn't get. I'm like, Minion of who? And then they said, well, Cure's Minions. I'm like, well, okay, I don't get it. Moving on. And then it was described as a cockroach cult. And I go, I'm a lesbian. And I just moved on, right? So, like, it's... <laughs> and, the, and it's like I was talking to I was talking to I was talking to someone one day. She goes, "Oh, none of that, none of that's literal." And I'm like, "Okay, well, I'm like the most literal person you probably know, so this kind of stuff needs to be explained." Because <laughs> there's no way in hell I'm going to join a cock worship. Because I told her, I said, "She said, oh, did you join Minion Headquarters?" I said, "No, no. Why would I do that? I'm not one of her minions." She goes, "Oh, does it mean that?" And I'm like, "Okay." And I said, "Besides, it says it's a cock worshiping cult." She goes, well, "They don't mean it like that." And I'm like, "Well, how do you mean it?" She's like, "It's just, it's just a joke." And I'm like. <laughs> Well, I missed it. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, that old minion thing came from Live Journal. Um, someone was bitching at me um, anonymously, and her parting words were basically, um, I would bitch about you in public, but you would sick your minions on me. So, being the assholes that we are, <laughs> we took that shit and ran with it. <laughs> I don't actually like to use that term anymore because it because people don't understand it and then and they, they make assumptions about me and my motivations that are weird. So I try not to use the term minion anymore to describe my readers because it took on for some people an ugly connotation that I never meant. Um, so people were just it was always a joke. It wasn't meant to be serious. Which I mean I didn't know and I'm way too literal. So for, I'm from the outside. I'd only ever interacted with you. Um, limited interaction through rough trade and not much on facebook and um at that, <laughs> jace has got lost in her email at that Wait, point weren't you the one supposed to be picking up your kid oh okay <laughs> but at that just at making that sure time, so when somebody, <coughs> so when somebody said when somebody said minion headquarters I said who's minions i said kira's minions i go i barely know her and <laughs> so just, i was way too literal for this stuff right and then when i read the description and i was talking to senna and i was just like cockroach and i'm like i'm a lesbian she's like that's not what that it, it's not it's just a joke i go oh well you guys should tell the lesbians that it's a joke because i didn't know <laughs> so, I, I mean that came about because i was writing predominantly slash at the time and people were bitchy about slash then that was 2008 2009 i mean like you you still had to write people people were trying to order me to like warn for slash warn for it and you know you had to warn for like you know if jack was on top or on bottom it's on bottom you had to warn for bottom jack o'neill because apparently if jack o'neill's taking it up the ass the readers need to be known need to know in advance they can prepare themselves and clutch their pearls. I don't know. Um, so there was just like, th there were all these little inside jokes that, um, inside jokes are fine as long as it doesn't lead to gatekeeping. Yeah, but the, and um, I was lucky that Sin willing to explain stuff to me kind of quietly behind the scenes. But um, sometimes, you know, in those kinds of, what happens is if people say things like, if you don't know, you don't deserve to know. And I'm always a hard nope out of situations like that. If somebody won't explain an inside joke that, you know, like um someone i remember one day somebody asked like what does the azure rule mean somebody said if you don't if you don't know you don't deserve to know i stomped on that so hard <laughs> it's like oh now wait a minute we don't there's no we don't know we don't do that but the other that's, side of it that, is is like if you make behavior. a movie reference and you don't get it you don't deserve to know <laughs> like 
If you don't know what as uh, as you wish means, go home. <laughs> go home. Go to bed. <laughs> the Azure rule is that you shouldn't eat or drink anything in our community environment um, while reading because um, too many people had had um, unfortunate uh, inhalation of water or spitting their beverage on on their keyboards. And so we dubbed it the Azure rule because Azure was the key contributor to people ruining their keyboards when she would post. Or snorting food up their nose. Yeah. I mean, Azure got Kira to snort melon once. The most, I ever, got, the most I ever got Kira to snort was a powdered donut, which I actually was, <laughs> I wasn't, I don't, I mean, it wasn't intentional, but when she told me she snorted a powdered donut, I'm like, well, that's kind of messy. <laughs> and also unfortunate because here I was looking like a crack addict. <laughs> With powdered sugar coming out my nose. But inside jokes, people can't Google. If I say, as you wish, and somebody says, um, what does that mean? I go, oh, that's it. Go home, fetus. Because they can Google that <laughs> shit. They can, they, can go figure that out. they can go figure that out themselves. Mm-hmm. It can be. Inside jokes can be Googled. And so people, sometimes it, it's clickish behavior to try to gatekeep the click. Um, but anyway, that wasn't, I, I, um, I wasn't in the social group for a very long time because... I was too literal. <laughs> I thought, I thought that there was like a a, a requirement um, to worship cock and to be um, like some level of devotee of Kira's. I was like, I don't, I don't even know her. <laughs> that was my response. Was, Everybody take a knee. Just kidding. <laughs> like, like I said, who's men? Kira's men. I go, I don't even know her. <laughs> it's that's not what that means. I was like, well, what, what does it mean? It's just a joke. Oh, it's actually not funny. But actually, it is funny in context. But in in context, (laughs) it's funny. No, but it was also funny for another reason because I had never, ever, ever at that point asked my readers to dogpile somebody in my defense. And the only thing I've ever done in that, well, you know, I did pitch a fit about the plagiarism, and people did go to AO3 and fill out forms for me. And that was mostly to get to the point that it would get so many forms that AO3 shut down the ability to report plagiarism on that story. So they would pay attention to me because I was tired of them not paying attention to me. But that wasn't me dogpiling on a person. Because I asked them not to comment on the fic. Just to report it. Frankenstein shit. Yeah, but I didn't even, even once I asked about what it all meant, I didn't, it was years later that I heard from you, Gero, what the context of the men thing was. Years. I mean, literal years before I found out what the <laughs> origin of that was. But some people got weird about it, so I don't really like to use it anymore. It's just, it's it's weird. People got weird. It was supposed to be a joke. It, it wasn't supposed to be something. On the other side of it, if the apocalypse does happen, we do have a plan. And if I ever ask you motherfuckers for sharks with laser beams on their heads, I expect to get them. Because <laughs> it's not too much to ask. It really isn't. I used to read, I used to read a lot of um, Jace. I used to read a lot of NCIS on the pit because there's a lot of NCIS on the pit. A lot more than there used to. For a long time, NCIS had almost no presence on it. Yeah, there, there's a lot more. I thought there's a lot more Harry Potter on fanfiction.net than there is on AO3. Oh, yeah. There used to be, I want to say, well over a million works on, AO, on fanfiction.net. But it's less now because they did a big... Get rid of the dirty content. Why isn't recaps? Why isn't it enough for the recapture to just say that you're human? Why do you have to? That's not a bus. It's a train. Um, why do you have to go? I hate on that. St- stupid shit. 
Click on the bicycles. No, I don't want to click on the bicycles. Books? There's 837,000 Harry Potter works. But I know at one point there were over a million. And if you go to crossovers books, so if you go to crossovers, which are counted separately, come on, fanfiction.net. <coughs> there are 50,000 crossovers. But NCIS has still got 42,000 um, stories on fanfiction.net, which makes it the seventh biggest, seventh biggest TV show fandom on fanfiction.net. I'll bet you there's less than 15,000 on AO3. I'm just, I'm just guessing, but I'm going to go look. Oh, there's 19,000. Man, when I started yeah. posting on NCIS on AO3, there were less than 10. Those so, those fix when I got put on AO3 because it got purged from, from fanfiction.net. Could be. Some authors some authors are now posting both places, but a lot for a long time, authors were not. But they also did pick up... Oh, I forgot. They did pick up a couple of um, NCIS archives. Mm. Um, a couple of NCIS That one archives. that with the fucked up formatting? I hope not. <laughs> I, I don't he know, sounded I don't, heartbroken. I don't. I don't know what's. I don't know what's worse: to lose the fic entirely, or to click on it and have to nope right back out because the formatting. Maybe they. Maybe they would have fixed the formatting before, um, when they ported it in. Surely they would have. No, they can't. Because what happens is, what happened was there was a version of eFiction that couldn't deal with curly quotes and um, straight quotes, curly quotes and curly apostrophes. They couldn't deal with the formatted. There, it, it, it was dealing with them fine before, but then there's a version of eFiction that couldn't cope with it, and it converted them all into these codes. Well, once that happened, it was there. There was no going back unless they rolled back, unless the archive rolled it back and fixed it. If the archive didn't do that, so if they import it, it just imports that shitty code. The only way to fix it would be for AO3 to run an algorithm to take that code and convert It could be done. Because it was awful. Because <coughs> there's nothing quite like reading and every time you encounter a, an apostrophe or anything that's a formatted character that's more than a single byte character, you'd have some code. So it could be an apostrophe, it could be an ellipsis, it could be a curly quote, it could be anything. Anything. It's just all of a sudden you have this string of numbers or a string of numbers and, and letters. And it's like, it's a symbol code. Ampersand. Ampersand. Yeah, it was yeah. awful. It was awful. But they and the thing is, somebody was saying that oh, the the author put it, this happened when the author pasted it and said no because it was working, they were fine, and then there was an e-fiction version that decided not to deal with either that or the archive owner turned off the ability to deal with special characters, multi-byte characters, and it broke their archives. The thing is, is if the archivist isn't there to pay attention and roll back the problem once it occurs, it just persists because once it's once you. Once it makes that change into the into the actual data, the only way to fix it is to roll back, is to turn change your setting and roll back to a backup. Mm. Now I have taken documents that are like that and have been able to intuit and go, okay, well this this is the code for an ellipsis, so I'm going to go and find all of these codes for master place. ellipsis. But it it the thing is every time and you think you've got them all, then you're reading and you cut, run across and you go, oh well. <sighs> When everybody, whenever, whenever somebody comments on my fic, oh, I can't wait for the next part, or I can't wait, I'm thinking, oh, but you will, because <laughs> you got no choice. <laughs> I, I said, well, me, this is me being literal, going, I'll bet you can. <laughs> it's November for you, Dark. It is not November for me yet. So me, it is still Kira's birthday. I got one more hour to celebrate. <laughs> it's one a.m. for me. So I went ahead and opened. Um, I like to open as soon as I can and close as late as I can. So, you know, 
midnight for me, but midnight in Hawaii for the end. That way people get the most time they can. I never start writing until it's midnight for me. Um, but yeah, but I will, um, I will keep writing even while it's after, you know, even once the last day has elapsed, I'm like, it's still, it's still, you know, November 30th, somewhere in this world. So I'm still going to go. <laughs> I, I can't explain the disconnect, but I won't ever start writing early. Cause for me, Nano kicks off at midnight on November 1st. It always has. It always will. I will say there's something very, there's a momentum about doing Nano with a group of people. Even if you are just kind of playing along quietly, um, it is very different from doing it on. Because I had done Nano by myself. I really hated my group that was local um, where I was when I first, first started doing Rough Trade. And because I had done Nano before and I tried going to some write-ins and stuff. I hated the, I really hated the local group that I had. And I could have gone, I mean, the Bay Area, the Bay Area is where Nano started. So there are tons of nano groups and i probably could have found some other groups but um i was worried they'd all be the same and especially the one group was deeply invested in like it felt like social hour with lots of photography and they wanted to put videos up of people and they really wanted you to talk about your work and i was like uh, videos oh yeah videos i was like this is gross videos mm-hmm. what the actual fucking fuck yeah and this was they had um one person had like a website and they put videos up of people and talking about their projects. And like, if any, and they had like, if anybody had been published, they would have a little section about them. I'm like, no, no. But I mean, I don't like, I don't like people taking my, if I know it's coming, you know, it's one thing. If I know there's going to be an expectation of photography and I can mentally prepare myself, that's fine. Like, um, so like doing a charity events or whatever, like at some of those events, like we used to go do these like things. I'm going to get specific about what kind of event we were doing, but we always knew there was going to be photography happening of the whole event. And that was fine. I knew it was happening before I went. I don't like, I don't, I don't expect to go to a writing group and, and have a camera in my face constantly. Um, no, I just don't like it. And also the write-ins were very social and I, 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 I expected to go there to write. So I found it stressful and I didn't like it. I, but there is a momentum, Tim, you little weirdo. <laughs> um, but there is a momentum of of doing it with a group of people um, that is helpful. A feeling like you know you can kind of get pulled along in the momentum. Um, it, when your when your energy is flagging, maybe somebody else's isn't, and that's where a group helps. It's like even if you're not writing on rough trade, it's like being in a group like just right where you can go and sit in on some sprints or talk to some people and say oh, i'm tired and i'm kind of flagging and i kind of need to get out of my funk does anybody want to sprint with me and sometimes just having somebody to walk with you for you know figuratively but walk with you for 20 minutes on your journey can really make a big difference a huge difference because i can't tell you how many times i tried nano and i think i'd only may- maybe succeeded one time before a rough trade really yeah hmm. I mean, it's because, I mean, I'd written certainly 50K before, but not in a month because that's just, and now I don't even think of it as being that hard. Um, but I think people picked up very, very early on that there is an aspect of the having in the writer community that makes a big difference to help people get through the writing every day and the writing a novel in a month. Um, and it, I think I just, my experience is it really does make a difference to have a community around you, even if you're not 
on, participating on a website, that you have a community around you when you're doing a project like this. Because it does make a difference than just sitting in a vacuum trying to churn it out in your spare time. Um, but also, you know, prior to trying Rough Trade, I, I think it was, I was usually work, also working very stressful jobs too. So that probably also played a factor into why it was harder for to be successful. The job I left right before I joined the, my first rough trade, I would think I was working 14, 15 days was not uncommon. Oh, that's awful. And it was terrible. And most of my customers were in Japan. So I was like going into work at like 10 o'clock in the morning and working until midnight. That's a terrible schedule. It just, that just wreck your body and your brain. I mean, just like. But the upside of that was I got to go to Japan. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, it wasn't all bad. But um, anyway, so uh, I I love doing rough trade. I love um, my goals have changed as time has gone on. I, like look at what like skill I think I need to build. I mean, like I have tried to give myself more moderate goals as opposed to you know go big or go home. It's like give myself goals that are more moderate so that I have a project I can hopefully finish in the challenge period. Um, I don't know how successful I'll be this rough trade because time travel. Right. I, just, I was just never <laughs> going to give myself a time travel idea that wasn't going to be big. And I'm really hoping that I can get it done in 100K. And I'm really hoping that I get done the 100K in the month. So I I feel like 175 is conservative for me at this point. There's going to be, you know, time travel and and confrontations and war and and whizzy court. <laughs> we love the whizzy court, though. Bank shenanigans. <laughs> anytime, sometimes anytime anything's happening in the bang or in the whizzy court, um, uh, it, it's going to be words. No, if, we, if, if I was approaching even two, if I was getting that close to 200K, it would be, okay, there's going to be a fourth novel because I, I cannot let my novel structure get that bloated. That is a fundamental, that's one of the reasons why the unthinkable plot's in pieces right now. Because it's just too big. And um, I feel like Darkly Lowell is the biggest. And I forget how, how, how long that is. I could look. But um, <clears throat> I don't want to I don't, I don't get messy with it, to be honest. <coughs> More you mean messy with, your, with, with, with your current story? No, I mean with my novel structure. I don't want to just go completely off the rails and end up with 250, 300K. That's ridiculous. No, no, I wouldn't either. Honestly, I'm at the point where if I'm even um, approaching 150k, I'm side eyeing myself. Yeah, but you know, in, in fantasy, you're allowed a little more room, right? Because the, the well, fantasy true. novel structure is is different. But if Darkly uh, was 181k, thank you, Nick. Um, and that's that that's a lot. Um, but I mean, if you, I agree with in general about a fantasy novel if you're having to do the world building and stuff, I mean, and yes, you put some, some world world building on top of JK Rowling's, but, um, I wouldn't want to get anywhere like over 200 K no. um, for a novel, even, not even a Harry Potter one. I would think even in, I think, I think the reason why Harry Potter, the darkly loyal was over 150 K was because and this is just my opinion. It's because it's triad. It's because you have relationship complexity that added words beyond it. had doesn't as much about, it being Harry Potter. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Even though it's I mean, POV. And, and that's also an issue. I had to do things in Dr. Lowell that I've never had to do before. It probably felt unnatural to you because normally you would just change the POV and deal with it. 
this way. But the mechanics of having one POV meant that I had to do a lot of work to expand that I wouldn't have had to do otherwise. If I could have done it like in two or three, I, I probably would not have gone over 175, I don't think. And if it wasn't a triad, I don't think you'd have been over 150. That's just my estimation. No, I, no, I agree. Relationship complexity, um, the more you make it, the more complex the relationship is, the more it adds it adds it adds words you have a big plot in a fandom like harry potter which is has complicated elements um and then you throw a triad on it and a single point of view and it's i think it's more those elements than than it is was it a spite triad was that the spite triad story um i don't know i forgot maybe you ever forget i do I do feel like it was a spike thick. I just don't remember why. Repotted no, does... um uh uh the unspeakable plot. That's a spike thick. That's a um, spike replot. There is um I do agree with you that fandom does skew our, our sense of story length. Um because I have read incredibly long um that didn't feel all that long. Um uh, until I got to the sense that I felt like I was in some sort of time distortion bubble where I was never getting out of this fic, you know, <laughs> it was like, is this ever going to end? And it wasn't, and it was like, this is actually, it's this weird thing. It's like, there's, it's good. It's obviously good. Or I would have given up a hundred K into this 500 K story, but it just keeps going and going and going. And, you know, it's sort of like that casino in, um, Percy Jackson, um, and the lightning thief or whatever it was where um yeah the lotus hotel where they just got lost and as soon as i feel like the fixture like that where it's like all of a sudden you're kind of coming up for air going is this ever going to end and the thing is that actually becomes its own pace problem it's like even if it's good it becomes its own pace problem because you shouldn't be starting to wonder is this ever going to end so i so yeah i mean it's just ultimately i've never read a story that was 300k that i didn't think would be improved by being three 100k stories it's just just from a just from a craft structure perspective um if if i were editing that person we would be having a talk about don't let this publisher have this as one story (laughs) the longest harry potter book is 198k and that would be the deathly hallows um, the total for Harry Potter is one million eighty-four thousand, basically. Wait, no, that's not true. Do- Do- the uh, Deathly Hallows is not the longest one. The longest Isn't one is the, the Order, Order of Phoenix, two hundred fifty-seven k. Yeah, I thought like I could have sworn the Order of the Phoenix was the longest yeah. and most painful book. Um, the Goblet of Fire was one hundred and ninety. So two hundred fifty-seven k. I mean, I could deal with two hundred k in a fantasy, but two hundred fifty-seven really. Um, that feel, but that that book felt long to me. And if a book feels long, it's something's gone wrong, gonna awry. But she was she was too big at that point. Her her editors were not going to be very successful at rating her in on content. Um, but yeah, I just I, I rage quit the of, world after Order of the Phoenix. <laughs> I was like, fuck all y'all. Right. <laughs> I can't say that I would never have a big one, but I find it less and less likely the more store more time goes on. Because it's um, and, easy if you have a big idea to structure it into novella or novels. Yeah. And it it makes it for easier writing. It makes it for easier editing. It's just, it's easier. It is a beast to put out to over 200K at one time. It's honestly a beast to put out over 100K at one time. It's just hard. 
it's it's hard to post. I mean, it, the posting is the least difficult of the hard aspects, but it's hard to post. It's hard to edit. It's hard to, especially hard to edit for me since I can only do it, like have a character limit. I can edit at a time and Grammarly fuck you very much. Um, it's just, it's just difficult. Um, and beta, if I ever, if I did want to get it beta red, that's a, that's a beast to dump something that's 300 K on somebody. So I just, I just find it less and less likely as time goes on that I would ever produce another epic. Um, but you never say never. And the biggest story on my site is the one I am most interested in if I ever got in the urge to write in that storyline again, which is Emergence. I would go back and break the initial story up into novel, smaller novels and fix um, a few things. You know, honestly, it's just, I hate, I hate editing a big book. I hate it. I just it's it's hard it's it's just if you feel like when you sit down to edit a big book by the time you come out the other side you often have spent days in it and then you're like do you even are you i've lost usually often lost all my momentum to the first time i edited century which century is i think just over 100k but i could be wrong about that um the first time i edited century i it needed a lot of edits the first time through. And it took me a long time to get through the first edit of Sentry. And I came out the other side and my my interest in continuing on working on finishing it was zero. Because I'd spent so much time over so many days in that story. Not that I didn't like it, but I was just burned out. Writing it was less work. Right. Writing is always less work than editing. Which is why you'll find a lot of unedited works on AO3. <laughs> I get it. Still run spell check for fuck's sake. I gotta know how 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 long my own fucking story is because I sell some say it's over 100k and if I said that and I'm it was it was 52k I'm gonna feel like a complete bozo. Starkindler is saying it's 103. Well, thank you, Starkindler. <laughs> it's like say it's a 100k story and it's not. I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I I when when you said 100k, I didn't doubt it. So because centuries a big story yeah and i cut quite a bit out of century there's this whole thing y'all didn't see where i went off the rails at the end i mean off the rails which is why i stalled out on it because i had um heimdall come to earth which talk about rising action in your falling action it was, <laughs> it was just not good it's like and i was like and i sat there like staring at the end of my story going why is this working I'm like, oh, because my... It's just like, how'd he get here? Right? I'm like, why You go back up there right now. (laughs) Get back up. And the thing is, I had left it such that he had no way back, right? So he's going to be there. And like, it was so awkward because like, Tony doesn't know how to respond to him because it's like this, he's there because Tony is the reincarnation of his only, only, the only child, the only child he knew he had. And so he's, of course, seen this whole thing. And so he shows up with the um, Norns, and um, he had, the Norn has a way back, but Heimdall doesn't. So he's just like hanging out, eating pancakes in Tony Stark's dining room, you know. And it's like, and I'm just sitting there staring at this whole thing, going, "What am I doing with myself? <laughs> what am I doing with him? This is really awkward." Um, well, there's no epilogue um, in that story, but. Um, no, I was. I, I that I it took me a while to realize that I was having rising action. That bringing Heimdall in at that point was rising action again. And once I kind of got that, I was like, "I'll just take him out." <laughs> this was a bad idea. 
It was just a bad idea. Did I want pancakes and Idris Elba for breakfast? Probably. It probably was subliminal. Yeah. Even if it's just to look at him, I don't even have to touch. I just want to look. Pretty. And eat pancakes. Or waffles. I'm not fussed. I'm like utterly befuddled. As... I mean, this isn't a bad comment. But somebody says, I'm not usually a fan of Tony things, but I love this story. Then why'd you click on it? Why I'm always like, me? when people like, say, I, I don't normally read this, but what? But no, I, mean, I don't, I don't mind. I, I click on all kinds of things if I think it sounds intriguing. Like, oh, this is my usual thing, but this is like, so I get that part, but it's like, if somebody's not a fan of Tony Genozo, how the fuck did they get to my site? Right? <laughs> I get, I mean, I, that mm. tells me people are getting there through other means. And that's interesting. Mm. Uh or two. I don't, I'll take four. I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking that's a lot of man in your house. <laughs> I don't actually have that I mean, you think days. you want one, but do you really want four? That's four times the mess. Four times the man. Well, I definitely can't have more than I can fit on the sofa, so I guess that's three. And they have to be quiet. Well, I don't need the dick. I just need the eye candy. <laughs> right? She's already told you guys she's a lesbian like six times today. <laughs> <laughs> but I could say it again if it will help it sink in. <laughs> but anyway, I, I don't, I don't mind the dick. Sometimes I just don't want a relationship with the dick. <laughs> I had a friend. Um, we were talking once about that, and she said, "So you're like an emotional lesbian." I, I, I'm, I'll accept that. Sure. So she said, "So your pussy's bisexual, but your brain is a lesbian." <laughs> <laughs> but that's not actually accurate either. <laughs> She clearly doesn't know as much about you as we do. No. <laughs> but I was willing to let her have that have that headcanon if it helped her. But I was like, mm. but emotional lesbian works. Yeah, sure. But I have a doctor's appointment tomorrow. And we have people should be writing. I have three. <laughs> three. And you were fussing at me about having one? No, I just would. I don't have a boob squeak. Sometimes you got to do it. I do not have a tit squeeze. I would never do that to myself on the first day of nano. Maybe on the second the day of nano. Tit squeeze. Speaking of which, my ortho was like, so we could do your surgery like on the 10th of I said, December. He said, no, November. And I was like, dude, it's National Novel Writing Month. He's like, what? I said, I'm a writer and you just asked me to get surgery during National Novel Writing Month. During nano. And I stared at him and I said, who hurt you? <laughs> Why are you like this? Why are you trying to do something to me that, that, what? Why would you sabotage my nano like that? <laughs> That's terrible. My doctor's talking about I might have to have surgery on my ankle. Um, and, um, so obviously I'm not getting surgery this month. Yeah. I was, I had the same reaction. I'm like, not November, right? And he kind of gave me this funny look and I was like, he said, I don't think we'll get there that fast. I was like, okay, I'm just checking. He said, but not in, De I said, but not in December either, right? And he said, when would be good for you? I said the middle of January. <laughs> okay, we'll keep that in mind. I have an agenda. I have vacation finally in December. I'm going on vacation. And fuck anything that gets in my way. <laughs> <coughs> I have plans. Do not mess with me. Anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed the pregame. And that um, you got that you really enjoy um, what everybody has to offer in Rough Trade. And if you're writing, take a deep breath. Calm your tits. It'll be fine. Are you sure? Yeah. I'm 100% sure. We're going to get through this. Another month. Another another month of being naked in public. It'll be fine. Anyways, we shall catch you guys later. Say goodnight, Jilly. 
Good night, everyone. Good night.